You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Just finished episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. Wanted to talk a little bit about it with you. This is what we we kind of thought we were going to see, and I'm glad that we they. I mean, honestly, they could have spent as much time as they wanted on Jordan playing baseball, but I thought that they they covered it. Can I just say that as a White Sox fan, like there there are two instances in the Last Dance where you just kind of go, man, we can't never catch a break. One during the playoff series, Jordan is is getting ready to retire from baseball, so basketball, so then there's that. And then you have Jerry Reinsdorf talking about the strike. And we all know that 94 team looked like a team that could maybe win a World Series, had the MVP of the league and Frank Thomas. And it's just like, obviously, you know, I know that the teams are connected because they have the same owner. It's just... Man, we can't never catch a break on the big stage. White Sox finally got a big stage and nothing. We got nothing. Not until 2005. Anyway, tonight was probably the night that I enjoyed the most in watching the two episodes. I thought that everyone's Twitter game was totally on point tonight. It was fun to interact with everybody watching 7 and 8. It was really cool seeing some of my younger friends not know stuff like Terry Francona was one of Jordan's managers in the minor leagues. Like that's pretty that's pretty well known, but the the young people, they need the history lesson. It's it's so funny to me because after I'm done recording this podcast, I'm actually gonna talk with my students at DePaul about the episode. And I have not talked with them about any of the episodes. I was like, you know what? Let's see if we can do a little synchronous learning tonight. And and I'm curious what they're going to say about it. Because I was thinking about it. I'm literally wearing a sweatshirt, a DePaul sweatshirt that is older than all of my students. So what's their perspective on all of this stuff? When it comes to the concept of leadership and you see that, Michael Jordan was just obviously the best of all time, but the worst, the worst to deal with. Poor Scott Burrell. I didn't think that one of the lasting things that I would find out about myself through this documentary is how bad I would feel for Scott Burrell. And it's weird because inside the Jordan universe, are we supposed to respect Scott Burrell? It seems like Mike liked him, but I don't know if he respected him. And then you flip that with the incident between him and Steve Kerr. Where Kerr's like, I ain't no punk. I mean, yeah, he got punched in the face for it, but he let him know that he wasn't a punk and it apparently made their relationship better so with Jordan like (laughs) he's a maniac I like seriously seriously when you 
I thought that those two episodes painted a great picture of a maniacal dictator. The best part was when he's seeing all the stuff that Gary Payton is saying and just flat out ignores it, laughing his ass off. Like, okay, sure, Gary. Whatever you say, Gary. Gary Payton did play really well in the last three games of that series. But it just, when you see Michael Jordan like that, it's so funny. Because he's, he is a, like, legit, like, maniac. And you're seeing it play out. I knew there would be some of the ugly. I still don't know if the the documentarians have done a good enough job talking about Tony Kukoc and his contribution to the the second three-peat. I still don't know about that. I mean, we got a little bit of Tony being Kuklutch, you know, hitting big shots and hitting the 1.8 seconds. This was a bad night for Scottie Pippen. This is a bad night because they spent a lot of time on 1.8 and it was probably his worst moment as a pro. I did think it was interesting that he's like, if he had it to do all over again, he would probably do it the same. Why would you say that? Why do you feel that way? That's not a great way to feel. And I know that's the way that Scotty says, Phil, feel. That Arkansas accent. I'm sure he's listening to this being like with that Chicago accent. Anyway, I still don't know if we've gotten enough credit for Tony Kukoc and the type of player that he was. I like to imagine Tony Kukoc as a player in today's NBA. Man. I feel like he'd be, well, I I guess they don't, Luka Doncic, they they don't need him in Dallas. But if you drop Tony Kukoc into the league, He's playing point guard for somebody, and there's problems everywhere because he's playing point guard. Because what are you going to do? Because he had all the stuff. A couple weeks ago, I had BJ Armstrong on the radio show, and I had talked with BJ about this documentary. He's like, Yeah, you know, I'm a, honestly, like, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. And I was like, what is he worried about? What is he worried? And then it dawned on me. He talked so much trash after that game two of that series. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I forgot that BJ was playing in Charlotte. He Mike had to go through a couple of trash talkers. Yeah, I mean, Kendall Gill, you know, Kendall... Kendall don't back down from nobody. Facts. Stay ready, all-star. Kendall Gill. And there's BJ, just like, talking junk. So you knew that that Mike was going to have to get at him. I didn't know that they were so cool that BJ was the first person that knew that Jordan was kind of coming back. They were over there at the Baker Square, formerly known as Poppin' Fresh if you're old. Like I am. Man, I used to love going to Baker Square when I was a kid. There was one, like when I was in high school, man, me and Ben Bradley used to ditch 
Because we had radio as like one of our, actually, I think it was two of our, two of our classes senior year. We, it was right down the street from HF. We just go and hang out and then come back. I mean, so I get it. I'm sure those people in Deerfield were like, holy crap, Michael Jordan's here at the, the Poppin' Fresh. I mean, Baker Square. I say Poppin' Fresh because it used to be Poppin' Fresh back in the day, but Baker Square. It was fun. Like, these two episodes to me were fun, and I thought that they were really informative, too. I'm glad that they talked about the the issue of people thinking that Jordan's retirement and his time playing baseball was a big old conspiracy that he was serving a suspension for gambling and because he was out with Slim Buller and he owed him $57,000 and the connection that people made to James Jordan's murder because of it, it never really, I said it earlier in this thing, like even when I was younger, like that never really made sense to me. I I guess I get why people would speculate about it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being on the score in 1993. And the score is just born back then. Like we were a little over a year old. I can't imagine going on the air and speaking on that. Now, I can't remember because I was in high school. I was listening to the score back then. I wasn't on it. As old as I am. I can't remember any of us doing it. Doing it. But who knows man. I'll, I'll I'll go in the archives. And check to see if anyone was out here. Trying to peddle. The, the conspiracy theory. I get it. He felt like he was done. He felt like he had done everything that he could do. That he had bested magic and bird. And Isaiah. And he wanted to go play baseball. I don't know why he thought he was going to be able to succeed in baseball, but maybe he just needed the, the rest. Cause it's so different. Like it's, it's hard. I enjoy listening to, to, to them talk about how different his body was. Tim Grover has to change the way that his body is. And when I had Tim Grover on, he was talking about how baseball, if you're going to go play baseball, you need more legs. You need thicker legs. Like, and that was Jordan was a long guy. He wasn't a thick guy. Now he's got to go back to basketball. And he's probably exhausted and, and not really in the right shape to play the game. So the whole thing was uh was interesting to see how Grover kind of went to rebuilding him and Michael's. Michael's ability to understand that he's different, that it's that he looks different and ends up being a different player because of it. I'm a little mad. Like if there's one thing I'm mad about, there's stuff that that keeps slipping through the cracks with this documentary that I don't like and stuff that I think is is significant. Like the Craig Hodges stuff after the first championship. And, and what Jordan allegedly had told Craig Hodges about not going to the White House was because he didn't vote for George Herbert Walker Bush for president. And he said it a lot more colorfully than that. 
But fine, if you don't want to even put in there that Jordan said that, great. But to act like that was the story of the 92 White House visit, it wasn't. Craig Hodges was the story of the 92 White House visit. So tonight, my issue was you talked about the Knicks series with Scotty, and you didn't talk about Game 5, and you didn't talk about you Hollins. You didn't talk about the call that maybe changed the franchise's history. The Bulls could win that series without that call by you Hollins. Like, I don't understand. That's why, like, the, the criticism that this is a Jordan documentary and not a Bulls documentary is a fair criticism to me. Because those are two moments that don't have that much to do with Michael Jordan but have a lot to do with the Bulls. And if you were a Bulls fan in that 93-94 season, I think Scotty finished fourth for MVP that year. Chicagoans were on 10, man. They were on 10 when U Hollins made that call. We're going crazy. And here it is, just not even being mentioned. It's bizarre to me. I don't know why you leave it out. And maybe you leave it out because you don't have time. And I mean, I, I'd like to give them a little bit of credit. That look, these these people that put this thing together rushed to put it together. So maybe some of this stuff falls through the cracks. But that that Bulls team that year was really good. And Scotty that season was amazing. They won 55 games that season. And I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look it up right now. I think Scotty that season did end up third or fourth for MVP of the league. And and he deserved all of those. Scott Pippen, he was really good. That season. Let me look here. Scotty in 93, 94. Man, he shot 50% from the floor that year. Huh. Didn't realize that. That's. That era, like for him being the guy that was in his average 22 points a game. Was his highest scoring season per date. One of his best years. I'm impressed. Yeah, Scotty finished third that season. And got seven first place votes for MVP. Dream, Robinson, Scotty Pippen, Shaq, Patrick Ewing. So those are things where I, I wish that they would take a little bit of a wider view on some of this. I don't know how you wrap all this up. Because to me, to me, that Pacers series, and you've heard me say this, that Pacers series deserves this whole its own episode. And now we see Reggie Miller, like, more into it. So I hope it's all of episode nine. I, lo- I did love the Space Jam stuff. And I know that Cheryl Ray Stout had written a little bit about it, but to see that footage of the Space Jam practices was pretty dope. Anyway. I have more to say about this on on the show at noon on the score this week. I'm looking forward to talking with my students in a few minutes and getting their feedback on this. 
because they're I'm sure it's way different than mine. But thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Back on the score this week at noon. All right. See you then.